This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. I'm joined today by Dan. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? I'm good, thank you, Tom. Yeah, very well, man. It's been a busy few weeks and uh, it's only going to mm. get busier now that the season's hotting up, mate. I'm looking forward to it and uh, as much as I sometimes complain, I do miss the social side of things and I do miss football, so I'm looking forward to it, man. But how are you, bro? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, it's uh, it's been a long. I feel like it's I feel like it's also been long, but at the same time, things have kind of come around quite fast these last few weeks or so. Um, you know, less than two weeks away, nearly a week away from the season starting, it's it is rushing around pretty darn fast, and uh, it's uh, it's results like we've seen today, which can throw a little bit of a spanner into the work. Sometimes can start raising those nerves and those doubts potentially, but uh, we're going to go into all that and more uh, in just a second. Thank you, everybody. That's joining us in the chat box this evening. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, there's already been some rather amusing comments, and I can see that plenty more are coming through as well throughout today's show. So I look forward to seeing what you guys have got to say about our discussion over the next half an hour or so. So, Dan, Arsenal lose their first game of preseason, uh, a team that was made up of a concoction of first team second string players and uh some youth players to give everybody the lineup if they're not aware it was turner in goal cedric walters uh holding Tavares, el neni laconga maitland niles marquinhos nelson and inketia with uh zach or lino Souza, charlie patino and charles sacco jr coming off the bench uh brentford's team was made up of a, a number of as well first team players and uh youth talent as well how big of a, a hit is this in pre-season, Dan, for us? Nothing, mate. Um, means absolutely nothing. For me, we've given our B team a run out there. There's nobody from the first team there that I can say we we, we got, a, got a look in from what I can tell. Mm. Um, but what it does to me is it does um, prove that every time we've had first team players, um, we've looked good. Every time we've had our second string players, it's not been the same. Um, mm. I think that's fairly logical, to be honest, and I'd expect yeah. it, I'd expect there to be a, a, a lack of quality. But um, it does prove to me that we still have some work to do because I don't really want to be seeing some of those players um, coming on on from the bench for more than 
you know, a few times, if I'm honest with you, uh, or playing a few games. I saw enough of Cedric and the Elnenis and Nketiahs and players like that that you've just listed uh, to know that I, I don't really want to be mm. seeing them next season. Um, don't mind if they want to be a part of the squad. Don't mind if they want to come on for, with, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but I don't want to see them playing 19 games a season. That's for sure. So we need to be looking at how good our quality is and what our cover is. Um but it's funny, isn't it? Because what will happen is we'll beat Chelsea 4-0 and everybody will say, it's just pre-season, who cares? And then we'll lose to Brentford and everyone will have a meltdown and say, this ah. is a disgrace. <laughs> we are dreadful. Very bizarre yeah. thing to do. You can't have one without the other. For me, it's a pre-season game. It's getting uh, you know, uh, fitness in legs. And this one in particular was behind closed doors, a little bit like when we played Ipswich Town um, a few weeks ago. And... Mm. Listen, I didn't care about that one either, so I'm not going to care about losing to Brentford, which, let's be honest, people say that we are getting used to, um, even though we've actually only lost them once last season, um, the first game of the season. So, mate, it means nothing to me. It's good for the players to get a run around. It's good for the first-team players to have a difference from the second team. And I do believe, personally, that there's still a lot of work to do, but I have the faith that more business is going gonna, is gonna to happen. So I'm pretty chilled, man. Yeah, I think I am as well. I, I don't think there will be, surely there'll be no one uh, on social media <laughs> melting down to this. Surely not. Um, but uh, Arsenal sure fans, come on, bro. Come on. Yeah, no, of course not. Of course it won't happen. Um, but no, in terms of, of what was in there, I think you're right. Look, the drop off in the first team is significant. We know that. It's not a surprise to us, as you said in your, your monologue there. It's, it's logical that there is going to be a natural dip. I think that there is something to be made of how much of a gap there is in certain positions. And I think in central midfield, that is particularly kind of obvious. Yeah, I like it is. To jump in there, so go on. No, no, no. I was actually just listening, but I, I will I will agree with you. I, I do feel that we are very congested in certain areas of the pitch with lack of quality. And it's fine having players that can cover. But if those players aren't no good, then I'd rather them be replaced. Um I make the examples in midfield of having Lukonga and Elneny is fine, but we do need something better. Having Granite Chaka in the first team is fine for some people, but for me, I think we need better. Um, I look at the, the, the players at right back and think, is Norton Cuffey ready? Is Cedric good enough? Can Ben White play there? It's all question marks. How about just go and buy another backup right back? Um, mm. You know, left back, can Tavares play there? No. So we go and buy Zinchenko, who can? That's what we need to do, in my opinion, over at fullback. Is Eddie Nketiah good enough for if Jesus gets ACL and he's out for six months? In my opinion, no. So go and buy another striker. It, it, all of these things are going around my head. Do I think we're going to get a right back and a striker, Tom? No, <laughs> I really don't. I really don't think we're going to get either. I do think we're going to strengthen in midfield and I assume there's going to be another winger coming in. But that is mm. literally all I expect to happen, if I'm honest with you. Two more players. So we'll see what happens, man. So we do need more than that. But you're right. Midfield is a lot of surgery needed for me, man. From that lineup, we had Tavares, uh, Maitland Niles, Nelson, uh, obviously featured during that game. They're, they're three players whose futures I wouldn't say are certain, you know, especially Tavares and Maitland Niles. Uh, Tavares looks like he's closing in on a, on a loan to, to Atalanta. What do you think is the benefit of playing players like that who are going to leave? Because, you know, I could kind of make sense of some of those players going on the tour because maybe it's a shop window opportunity, but, you know, this is a friendly behind closed doors. Why Why play them? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's one that I struggle to answer, and I actually brought this up a few weeks ago because we seem to be getting, um, particularly in the, the start of preseason, everybody fit that we didn't want to um, keep. <laughs> I see Bellerin with an armband on running around. I see Pablo Marie. I've seen Maitland Niles more than ever. I've seen Reese Nelson. Nuno Tavares has been our most consistent left back in terms of who he's picking. Laconga, mm. I've seen quite a lot. 
Um, very bizarre. Um, so I think what we're trying to do is put them in the shop window is what my, my reply would be to that. And I believe um, Nuno Tavares will go on loan. I think Italy, their reports are, are saying, I believe that's a good move. I don't think he's this horrendous footballer that people are making out. I do think that it's clear to see that he's not a left back, but it's one that I do think can, mm-hmm. can be a part of the squad. And it's funny, isn't it, Tom? Because there's some of those players you've mentioned there that have really frustrated me over the years. And the reasons they frustrated me is not just because they've been poor. There's actually a couple of them that I actually think are quite good footballers, but it's just not worked out for them. Lucas Torreira being one of them. I don't think he's a shocking player. I don't think he's suited to the game. I don't think he's suited to this league. And he's certainly not a shocking footballer. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the frustration for me when I see how many times you could have utilised this guy in the last couple of seasons. And for whatever reason, he's thrown his toys out the pram because he won't play centre midfield. Well, actually, how about just get into the team and try and do what Lauren has done over the years and try and do what other players of Arsenal's history have done which is not cry when they don't play up front when Colo Torre is a striker and he ends up being a wicked centre-half he probably had a good career Maitland-Niles mm. needs to learn from that because I believe he could be a good inverted fullback for us in our system and I think he could play wing-back either side and if he has to go in midfield one time fair play but the reason it's not going to work out for him is because for whatever reason he's never been able to settle anywhere in football and it's mad for me so I look at some of them and I think you've got to go because the manager either doesn't rate you or it just hasn't worked out for you or you're homesick. And I think the three examples are the manager doesn't like you, i.e. Pepe, you're not quite good enough, i.e. Reese Nelson, or your head's not in the game, i.e. Ainsley Maitland-Niles or Lucas Torreira. And I think when you're not happy at the club or the manager doesn't rate you or you've just tried to prove in the last couple of years that you're, you're good enough when you're not, I think it, it, it's time for them to leave the club, man. And I think there's a lot of outs, if I'm honest with you, that still need to happen. Do, is there a kind of expectation when you look at the amount of players that we've got to move on and you look at them as their profiles that, to be honest, these are the types of players that are going to move in the final weeks of the window because, you know, if the, they're not going to be priorities for too many clubs. It's just the lack of quality that there is in those surplus players. There's players like Nicolas Pepe who are on a big wage as well. Very difficult to kind of move that off. So when it comes down to trying to get these players off, is there any amount of of leash in terms of, I suppose, sympathy as to why we've not been able to maybe get them out sooner than we have? You've hit the nail on the head in terms of wages, mate. That's the reason. Um, mm. They're stuck here because nobody wants to pay better in 120k a week. Nobody mm. wants to give Pepe 150k, whatever the hell he's on. So I think that's yeah. fair enough. When ben, when Betis is saying we like you, mate, but we can't afford your wages, um, and he's going to throw his toys out the pram if they're only offering him 80 a week, then you know it, he's got to stay, isn't he? Until he decides the club's going to pay him that much, or until he, he he bites the bullet and goes. So that's the reason for me that we're struggling. I do think as well there are some players that. Um, need to go for their own careers as well. And I think sometimes there's, there's, you're not good enough. And two of those players for me, Bernd Leno, I'd like to keep him because I think he's a better backup keeper than Turner, but he's going to go because he wants to play first-team football. Yeah. Nicolas Pepe, yeah. likewise, wants to go and play first-team football and realises the manager doesn't rate him. So for me, I understand and respect that. But in terms of when it has to happen, Tom, I don't think it really matters because they're not going to be a part of our side. So it's just going to be a matter of whenever, you know... Um, whenever really um, and if it's towards the end of the season uh, sorry end of the transfer window then so be it man yeah look I think it's going to take time to get these players out and I think it's going to be the final weeks the window that we start to see movement you know Real Betis have had these financial issues they're now trying to move players on so they can then reinvest that money I think there is a little bit of hope from them that Arsenal may reduce their kind of asking price down to as little as possible for Bellerin but I think Arsenal have 
have the ball in their court in regards to him because Betis want the move. Bellerin wants the move as well. Uh, and that leaves Arsenal in a position where they're going to go, well, if you want him, you're going to have to pay up for him. I'm hoping that's what happens. You know, Leno wasn't involved in the game because his move to Fulham is is pretty much nearing completion. What do you make of the £8 million price tag that's being associated with it? Um, I feel like it's a little harsh, man. Um, mm-hmm. I do look at Leno as a good goalkeeper and I think some people don't. And I've never really understood why. Um, I don't think he's an outstanding goalkeeper, but I certainly think he's worth more than eight million. If Nick Pope can go for ten million to Newcastle, Leno should be able to go for more than ten million, in my opinion, because I think he's a better goalkeeper than Nick Pope. Not that there's uh, any disrespect to him, because I think he's a good goalkeeper. If Ariola can go for seven million, rising to twelve to West Ham, surely Leno can go mm. for that price, more than eight million. So I think that it is a little bit stingy as far as Fulham are concerned. Of course, they're going to try it, but I think that we could be able to hold out, or should be able to hold out, for closer to double figures, and um, it's it, it really matters is how much Leno wants to go to Fulham or leave um, Arsenal, really. But um, I expect this one to happen. Um, I do expect us to get nearer to double figures, but I think £8 million would be an absolute steal for Leno. German international, I think he's the number two. Am I right, Tom? Is he in the number two yes. in Germany? Um, so therefore, you know. Three-ish, because you've got to Stegen and Neuer. So, there yeah. you go. So he's, he's two or three, because it depends how how, um, how you look at uh, to Stegen. So, as well, I suppose. Uh, Could be four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Leno, to be fair, I'd say Leno's up there ahead of Trap, but the other two maybe is questionable. But my point is, he's a German international. Fulham, looking at him, you know, I was quite surprised, if I'm honest with you, that Fulham were even uh, that he was even considering Fulham. But you know, because Fulham could quite easily go down, and he'd be in the Championship. Leno's too mm-hmm. good to be playing the Championship for me. So I think when you look at that, then fair play for them for trying it, and the ambition's good to try and get the best goalkeeper you can. But um, if you do want him, he is going to cost you more than eight million. Yeah, I think that even with the one year remaining on his contract, eight million pounds is not reflective, you know, of a player of his quality. I know Gabriel Jesus is is very, very different, but you know, when you think about we play forty five million pounds for a player yeah. of his caliber on one year left on his deal, it's not to say comparably, you know, Leno is the goalkeeping version of Jesus, but it shows you that for a, a level of a certain level of player, you can ask for more money than the absolute dregs and single digits uh, in the transfer market. And I think that we have, unfortunately, bent a little bit to Fulham's will, possibly because of a lack of interest from elsewhere. There was whispers about teams in the Bundesliga and perhaps even Leicester City having an interest, but it seems as though they've they've now changed it. We don't obviously know if the $8 million is the base fee or if that's kind of the the ultimate including add-ons. It could be that it's $8 million plus two or plus four, whatever. Like, we don't know. It could be that if, if Fulham stay up next season, Arsenal get a, a bonus into that deal. We don't know. So when that deal goes through, hopefully we get some more clarity on how much Arsenal would make from it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a frustrating one that Arsenal have uh, moved him on. I think the reputation of Arsenal was obviously, in a selling perspective, really hurt us in, in those areas. And that's why we need to try and move some other players on. Uh, Ali's asking here with a, a super chat. Big up, lads. What do you think about Paqueta in the Xhaka role? Just to tackle this quickly, Arsenal haven't got an interest in Paqueta at this stage. You know, Edu has come out and said that, that is just not happening. So uh, <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to have a chance of happening in terms of whether he could play there. It's questionable. He's not really played that deeper left eight position that Xhaka has operated in. So I think it's too reserved. But yeah, I mean, in terms of expectations going into the final week, you know, having... Now, seeing this penultimate preseason game finish the way it did, and the lineup that we've seen come out, we've got one more against Sevilla, and then the Premier League starts. And how confident are you about preparations for the new season? I think our first eleven is really good, Tom. I can't lie. Um, Would you I've say it's the believed... one that we used against Chelsea? Is that what you think will start? I think against so. Palace? 
Yeah, I expect it to. Obviously, we've got Tommy Asser and Tierney at the moment who are looking like they're now back in training, but obviously not fit, I don't think, to start. I expect the team lineup to be quite simple. I think Ramsdale will be in goal. I expect Ben White to be at right-back with Gabriel and Saliba at centre-half and then Zinchenko at left-back. I think mm. Granit Xhaka will play in the middle with Erdogan and Party, and I expect Saka and Martinelli to be either side of Jesus. I don't think anyone would be shocked to hear that if it is that lineup. Um where my problems are is if we get some injuries, and hopefully we won't at the start of the season, the first, at least the first few games, I'd like to think with that first 11. But um, yeah. I do worry with some of our backup. Um, I don't think we're going to get anybody now in time for Palace, but I don't understand why Tielemans can't just go and get done. For me, that's just, just there waiting in the wings to be done. And I would like to see that ahead of Paqueta, if I'm honest, because I know he's not going to be a risk. Um, I mean, that's wrong. Every, yeah. every player's a risk, but you get what I'm saying. He's less criminally proven. Yeah. Less of a risk. Um, there we go. And I think he's an upgrade on Granite Chakra in that left eight. And um, for me, that completes a very good first 11. There's not really anybody in that first mm. 11 I'd look at and go, oh, that's a weak link. Um, so, you know, when Tommy Asu and Tierney are fit, it gives you even more strength there. Saliba's now come in and give us strength. I do feel, though, however, we are a defensive midfielder short because I'm not sure Lukonga and Elneny can come in and do the job that Thomas Party does. I'm not so sure that um, uh, Mark Winos can come in and do the job that Saka does. And I'm mm. not so sure that Eddie can come in and do the job that Jesus does. Now, I'm not saying we need to go and spend another £250 million on those four positions. But at the same time, I do think that we can go and spend some money and get some decent cover for those positions. And um, yeah, right back, centre, uh, centre forward, centre mid, defensive mid and winger. I still feel could be um, short for us and I don't expect us to fit all those positions now. So um, we'll see what ones we do feel. Yeah, look, I think for me, central midfield is is absolutely key. If we come out of this window and we haven't signed a player who is potentially a starter in central midfield, aside from Zinchenko, who could, of course, play there, I'd be really disappointed, you know, with that being missed out on this window, especially with how clear and obvious the Tielemann situation is and how accessible that option is for us to do. I get that we need to move on the likes of Torreira and Maitland-Niles, but we should be able to move those two on before the season finishes, even if it's a case of accepting a really kind of low figure for them. If it's a case of moving them on for a lower fee in the five to 10 million region in order to be able to get Tielemans in, you're still going to save 10 to 12 million pounds on that fee by selling those two, even for that amount. So I think that's probably, and, and you consider that Terreras and Maitland-Niles are on around 40 to 50,000 pounds per week as well. I think it's a benefit getting those wages off at the same time. And I think Tielemans, you're going to probably put him in, in a six figure salary because of his age, because of his Premier League readiness, and because he's coming from another Premier League team that are paying him well as well. But I think that it's it's definitely worth maybe cutting ties on a couple of players if it means being able to bring in a certain level of quality, even if it is going to cost you a few million quid in, in the process to do that. Um, the, the other areas, yeah, I mean, we've seen potential links with with a wide player. The, the front line at the moment is obviously made up of Saka, Jesus, Nketiah, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli. We've got Vieira, who we've not seen yet, who can, to be fair, play in a right-wing role if you know, he has played there a fair amount of time for Porto and at the youth level for the Portuguese team as well. So it'd be intriguing how he kind of fits into the team. Nketiah played today you know, in this system, and there's a lot of questions around Nketiah about whether or not he's good enough, about whether or not um, he he's of a level that can come in and cover or rotate with Jesus if need be. But there's no point in me asking anyone whether the, whether or not he, we think he's ready because ultimately we haven't really seen enough on a consistent basis to know categorically whether he is. If you take the eight starts from last season as as fact, you'd say, oh, he must be ready, five goals and eight starts. But if you look at the rest of his career, you'd probably go, we haven't seen enough yet. So the question would be, going into next season, 
how important is it that Arsenal still had that attacking player that can score goals from a wide position who could ultimately, you know, cover centrally should we need them to? Yeah, I think it's a really good point because we've had links, haven't we, with Leroy Sane, we've had links with Cody Gakpo, we've had links, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with other players. And I do believe that it's a position we look at. When you look at the Rafinha rumour, whether you believe that to be true or not, I believe we were probably interested, but knew deep down that he was going to go to Barcelona. Um, but that means we were definitely looking at somebody in that position. And there's a lot of rumours we are going for that person. Now, there are a lot of people who say we've got Eddie's good backup and Martin, then he can play there as a third choice. Fair play. But I honestly do believe that we could be a um, different profiled striker short. And what I mean by that is a plan B option. Somebody like an Olivier Giroud type that mm. could come in and do a job. Now, Skamaka has gone to West Ham and I thought that would have been an OK signing. We've obviously been linked with him previously, I believe. Um, and I thought that was an all right option for us. Now, whether he'd want to come to Arsenal and fight for his place with Jesus could be a different story. And perhaps that's why he's gone to West Ham to play first team football. You don't know the desire of some of these players. But personally, that would have been a good option for me to have Skamaka, Jesus and Enketio as your free strikers would have been good. Now, people have short memories, Tom, as well, because people will sit there maybe in this chat and other chats and say, Jesus and Eddie, perfect. When we went unbeaten, we did have Carnu Wiltord on the bench. We had four strikers. We've actually had three or four strikers for most of the times. When you look at it, Adebayor, Van Persie and Eduardo, for example, in 2008, mm. 2009. We've never just had one striker or two strikers. We've always had at least three options. Might not be a striker, maybe someone playing up there from it. Even when we were poor, when we had the likes of um, Van Persie, who was class, and then we had the Bentners and Shamaks behind him. We mm. always had two or three strikers, uh, sorry, three or four strikers. So I think it's mad now, all of a sudden, we believe Eddie and Ketia is the only need. I believe we need more than that up top. And I think that if Jesus, and I really hope he don't get injured, I'll be devastated if he gets injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if he does, uh, and it's long-term, and if Partey gets injured, which we've seen already, and it's long-term, I don't have the confidence in Eddie and Elneny. I like them both as players. I don't actually think they're horrendous like some people think I do. I just don't have the faith in them that we're not going to miss um, Jesus and Party, and they'll be able to go forward. Because that's what we've had over the years, Tom, isn't it? When we were at our best, when Edu come in for Gilberto, we might have missed Gilberto's attributes in a bit, but we never really lost our game because he wasn't there. When Carnu came in, when Wiltord came in, when Reyes come in, when Van Persie come in, Fabregas, the list goes on. We always had enough cover there. And I think that's what, in my opinion, we should be trying to get back to. And I still feel we're a little bit short. Yeah, look, I think this is why we need to go for that wide play. It doesn't necessarily have to be an out-and-out striker. I don't expect us to go for an out-and-out striker between now and the end of the window. But I certainly would like us to see bringing an attacking option for us that plays in a wide role, that's got the capacity to play in the middle as well to give us that cover should we need it. Because even if Jesus gets it, like we talk about Jesus getting injured and then being in Ketia, you know, all of a sudden, you, that's the only option you have. You've got nothing to change things off the bench in an attacking sense. Sure, Balogun we've got, but I think he's probably going to end up going on loan this summer. That's the expectation. There's an argument that Martinelli could come in and play in the wide role as, in a central role as well, but then you lose him in a wide role. So I do really kind of want to see Arsenal add something that does give potential cover. If that's a Gakpo, okay, but that's still more of a left-sided option mainly. And we've got a lot of cover on the left, less so on the right. And we're linked so with like left-wingers, Tom, well. aren't we? Do you not yeah. find that? We keep getting linked with them. Like Rafinha was the only one that could actually play on the mm. right. Um, we've, I've heard links with Zaha Trossard. the other day. He's predominantly left. Trossard, obviously the likes of Leroy Sane, Cody Gakpo, I believe is on the left. It's like, wow, well, what about trying to look at some... Maybe there ain't any right ones out I there. I don't How think there right is. How many right wingers are there out there? The yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really, there's a bit of a drought at the moment of genuine players that we could add in that right-hand side position. Uh, I always mention Pedro Gonçalves at Sporting, but he's not 
you know, he would be a risk at the same time because you're bringing him in from the Portuguese league and despite playing really well and winning, you know, titles with sporting, you know, it's not necessarily going to translate as we've talked about mm. there with with potentially other signings from elsewhere like Paqueta as a risk as opposed to Tillemans. So that's that's the issue that we have. At the I, know, I know he was injured most of last season, but does Pedro Neto play right or left? Well, he can play both, but I think he's played left. <laughs> <for a long laughs> Mad, isn't it? Because uh, I, I like him that, as well. That's another I'm, one. I thought Adama Traoré played on the right. Um, I think you are right, yeah. Um, but I think he did. Yeah, he plays more so on the left. Uh, there you go. Because I, I like so, him yeah. as well. I think he's a good player. But um, mm, yeah, yeah. Bad, I suppose it? Bowen is is a right hand sided one that could even mm. play in the middle. But the problem with him is that he's just so expensive. You know, do like, you think yeah, that's realistic? Do you think? I mean, no, listen, I don't he see... definitely would come to Arsenal. Don't get me wrong, but we're going to have to pay between sixty and eighty million for West Ham to even consider yeah, it. I think maybe more. It is mad. And they, and they don't need to sell him. He's on a long-term contract, you know, and they've brought in a, a good striker. They're bring, looking at bringing in Kostic as well. I mean, West Ham are going to be a decent side next season with Kostic banging in balls for a six-foot-five Skamaka. That's going to be interesting as well. And speaking of Skamaka, do you think that we lack kind of that aerial presence at all? Do you think that's something that we're going to lack? Yeah, 100, man. I really do. And like I say to you, I like a different profiled striker. And excuse me, um, the the thing I think we miss is is... We have an ability to whack the balls in the box and there's nobody in there, is there? We've got Jesus and Nketiah, who I think about five foot eight. Um, we had Lacazette, who's about five foot nine. We need somebody in there with a little bit of presence and someone who can bully and someone who can be an aerial threat. And as much as I like what Jesus does in terms of his link-up players, hold-up players, muscle, his work rate, mm-hmm. and I think he's got quite a good leap on him, I don't feel like he is the answer when we're putting in crosses to be heading those goals in. And listen, he might get a few. He might be Alexis Sanchez and he might have a great limp. I could always amazed by Sanchez at five for eight to be getting up as high as he did or whatever the hell he was. Um, yeah. But I do think there's an aerial threat that we missed, man. I really do. I think Skamaka would have been a good signing. I liked his form over in Sassaldo. I think he was a decent player. I think at 23, six foot five, target man. I think it would have been good, man. But uh, the players that I wanted us to see go for were never going to happen. I wanted Darwin Nunez. That, that was never going to happen because we didn't get Champions League and he was going to mm. Liverpool. I wanted Vlavic. That was never going to happen because it seemed that he was over at Juventus when we wanted to sign him. And of course, Skamaka would have probably been my next option in terms of that presence for a realistic signing. I'd go and get Sammy Abraham tomorrow, but he's going to cost about 80 million. So, you know, uh, that's the way I see it, man. Um, Calvert-Lewin, people mentioned to me the other day, I, I need to see I need to see him fit uh, first, if I'm honest. He's going to cost um, you as well 50 million. Why is he? I don't know why facts, we would spend facts. 50 million yeah, to bring someone exactly. to compete with. You know, why are you going to spend more than you spent on Jesus on a player that's going to be a backup to him it's it doesn't make too much sense to me like you know I used to be really on the idea of, of Calvert-Lewin a year ago say you know because we didn't yeah, have I remember, a, a striker I remember option me, yeah. yeah like we didn't really have a striker option now we've bought Jesus of course the opinion on that's <laughs> going to change like uh, I was having a discussion with someone in the comment section earlier from this morning show about it like it is about change there was also a comment I wanted to address um, from Daniel in the chat and Daniel uh, Ogbonnyaya, who says uh, you could say that for literally every team. And, you know, if Arsenal want to be on the level of City and Liverpool and to a lesser extent, you know, Chelsea, who have been ahead of us for quite some time, you know, you don't say that for them. You know, Liverpool's front line was made up of of Sane, sorry, of Mane, and it's from you saying Sane, uh, Mane and Firmino <laughs> and, and Salah, of course. But then they started adding to it with Jota and Luis Diaz and Shakiri was, of course, there as well for a time. Origi was there to come off the bench, scored some really big goals in a Champions League final, no less, you know. And then you've got City that have just a glut of attacking options. They've brought in Erling Haaland to replace Jesus, but they've also added Alvarez into their lineup as well. Really exciting player coming through like and we're not talking about like Marquinhos levels of excitement we're talking about 20 million pound investment in a player that's you know already in the Argentinian national team so 
and in all the other attacking areas, you've got a ridiculous amount of options that they were able to move on Sterling and Jesus and still have plenty of attacking fervour behind them for the upcoming season. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that you can set it for literally every other team because for the teams that we want to emulate and try and get to the level of, that's what we need to aim to. So I can't, you know, I can't, there's no argument against the point that you've raised, Dan, about the idea of not having enough strength in depth because if we want to get mm. to that level, we need to have that. You know, we need to have that strength in depth. And and we do lack that in a number of areas. And obviously, overhauling a squad and rebuilding a squad over the course of three summers, you're going to see a lot of change. And we've seen that, you know, last summer, six 100. players, already five players. This summer, season before that, I think it was four or five players as well. And unfortunately, at the start, there was a couple of errors in the likes of Willian and Runison, et cetera, that we've had to then pay for with Turner and bringing in the likes of Lakonga and hopefully Atilamans this summer as well. You're looking in the wide areas and we brought in Fabio Vieira now as well and Marquinhos too. So, and potentially another wide player this summer if we can go in for one before the season ends. So, I understand that we're still going to be lacking a number of areas, but you'd hope by at least next summer, we're in the position where we're only adding two or three to the squads to then take it as level. Because that's all that City and and Liverpool do. It's two or three players, if that, a summer, because they've got the squad. And that's what we need to get to. So, yeah. Um, Spaceman Trooper says, uh, agree, we need a left, back, left eight and right wing, but they're not going to sign players for the sake of it. Have to be the right profile, rather nothing than being wrong. Um, and I do agree to an extent, uh, just to finish off this, this point before we finish the show, it is important, obviously, that we just don't sign players for the sake of signing players, isn't it? I, I agree with that. The reason I, I, I don't like people when they say that is because, and I don't agree with it, is because it's a bit like me saying, I'm not going to leave my house today because I might get run over. Like, this is your job, man. You've got, you're going to have to re, you're going to have to go and do it because we're short. So it's no point saying I'm not going to sign anybody. There is nobody out there in the summer window. To, there's no right back out there that I can think that is better than Cedric. So I'm not going to buy one. That for me is not doing your job. Go and find them. You've had a long time to sort this out, Edu and Arteta. You've had the whole of January. We did nothing. So you should have at least three uh, players that you want to at least try to get in through the door for each of the positions that you feel we're short in. You need a plan A, a plan B and a plan C for every single position, in my opinion. Because of the position we're in, we're not in the Champions League, we're not going for titles, there's going to be players that go, nah, sorry man, I don't fancy it. And that's fine. And they have. You go to your plan B, nah, I don't fancy it. Then go to your plan C. You need to have that. And I don't think we had that in January. I don't even think we had a plan A in January, if I'm honest. I just think it was get clear out the decks and let's just try and do what we can to get top forward this side. And I think now we need to we need to seriously sort it out. And there's a lot of work to do, Tom. There's still a lot of work to do, but I do think there's going to be a good enough side, in my opinion, to be going into what we expect it to be this season. Um, and that's secure Champions League football. So it's going to be down to Edu and Arteta, man. Yeah, that's what that's kind of why at the start of the season, you know, I'm I'm happy with the squad we have going into the start of the season. I wouldn't necessarily have happy with the squads as is going into the entire campaign. You know, up until the window closes, we've got five very winnable games. Um, you know, with the squad that we have right now, so we've given ourselves, you know, that prep, and we've given ourselves a bit of a buffer that we can still add talent at the end of the window, and it not necessarily affect our entire season because we should be winning the games that really I say winning you know I expect to get good results for most of four of the five at least you know that we have during this month um, and I'm hopeful of that and just finishing off the show with one line, uh, final chat who says Pablo Marie, Cedric, Lucas Perez all examples uh, of that possible thing that we've been talking about previously um, only a short show today because I've got a wedding to go to this evening which I'm really <laughs> looking forward to um but uh, dan thank you so much for joining me tell people where they can find you a link to your channel is in the description as well 
Oh, thanks, man. Listen, big up everyone in the chat. Make sure you like this video and subscribe if you haven't done so already to the Guna Talk TV. Thank you, Tom, for having me on. If you would like to come and follow me, I'm not sure there's many of your viewers will, but if you do, then it's at DanArsenal87. <laughs> uh, and my new channel's just started, um, which is Football's 12th Man Podcast, which is not Arsenal content, it's Premier League content. So if you want to hear some debates from other fans and opinions about Arsenal from other fans, then please come over and subscribe. And uh, yeah, I'll see you over there. Thanks a lot, Tom. No, absolute pleasure, my friends. Uh, whilst we don't always agree, what we always have is great chats about Arsenal. So I uh, can always appreciate <laughs> Absolutely. that. Thank you, Chatbox, for tuning in. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new. You can find Dan's new 12th Man podcast in the link in the description. So do make sure you go and check that out and uh, and get all caught up on plenty more content outside of just Arsenal. I will see you tomorrow morning, bright and early, for the next 8am show. Uh, and I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.